Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. What a great day to worship God. Hey, and you gotta love that song. Because we just sang that fear will never conquer me. Anxiety will never conquer me. Why? Because we belong to who, church family? Amen. Come on, give another shout of praise to God. And let me pray for us. My Lord, we gather together, your people, the people of your pasture, we gather together. Father, not only to sing praises to you, Father, not only to serve one another, but folks who, but, but Lord, to, to, to listen, to hear from you, O oh God. And so, Father, create a spirit of humility in us to hear your precious truth. And Father, then let us be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word, so that we can follow your example. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Hey, let's give another praise to God. Hey, well, welcome everyone. It is uh, so good to see you today. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at CF. And uh, today we are on our third week of a series called Unstuck, where we have been learning how to get unstuck spiritually and move forward in our walk with Christ. You know, the first week we talked about the importance of gathering as God's people physically to worship God, right, across all campuses, and we see God work in powerful ways. Last week, we learned about the importance of gospel-centered community in the context of a small group, and that, how, that helped us take steps in our walk with Christ. By the way, 590 people signed up for a small group last week. Listen, praise God for that. And today, we're going to learn about the importance that we follow the example and serve others, just like our served Lord uh, served us. And so, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 through 27. And uh, you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Listen to what God's Word says. But Jesus called them to him, the disciples, and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, but it, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your wife your servant. In other words, listen, once we cross that line of faith and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, listen carefully, the way to become great has now changed. It's not about what you accomplish in this world, but it is what? It's the way you serve others. Amen? That is God's word. You could go into a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, one of the things that we have been blessed here in Miami uh, at Christ Fellowship is that we have campuses all throughout Miami-Dade, five specifically. But folks, we also have global campuses throughout Latin America 
and, um, and Central America, and we got some Caribbean campus opening up, which you'll hear about that in the next several weeks. But we have a campus specifically in the country of Colombia. How many Colombians do we have here? Well, we got about 10 Colombians here, which is great. And, and listen, in that country, we have four campuses. Now, mind you, Colombia is a beautiful country with so much potential for the gospel. I've been there several times already, but one of the unique factors about Colombia is that the equator line goes right through the bottom portion of that country. Now, we all know that the equator is that imaginary line, right, that crosses right through the globe, and it separates the northern hemisphere from the southern hemisphere. Now, follow me here for just a moment, because what many people do not realize is that the moment that you cross that fine line of the equator, listen, some things are the same, but some things are not the same. Some things change. For example, the seasons change. When it's summer here in the northern hemisphere, well, it's winter down there. And when it's winter down up here, it's summer down there. Not only that, but the wind patterns change, ocean current shifts, and even the trajectory of planes also take into account the different, uh, the, diff, the, the southern hemisphere. But folks, one change that really fascinates the eye is the response of a gravitational force as a liquid goes down. And folks, and it's called actually the Coriolis effect. And an easy way to observe this change in, a, in the gravitational laws is by draining water down a funnel. You see, if you are in the northern hemisphere and you drain water down a funnel, it will go down clockwise. But folks, the moment you cross that line into the southern hemisphere, things change. Now when you drain water, it goes reverse. It actually goes counterclockwise. And, and, and folks, listen, the, the change of flow takes place almost immediately the moment that you cross the line. In fact, just so you can see, take a look at this quick video. Nice to meet you, Colonel J. brother. So right now we're doing what you call geographical water experiment, caused by the Coriolis effect. After pouring, how to stabilize it, make the water come down. Okay. After it come down the water, we draw this flower on top to see whether it's going anti-clockwise. Yeah. So the farther you move the equator, the faster it goes. The closer the equator, the slower. What will happen? Let's go and see. What is he doing? Ah, magic. He's a sorcerer. Oh, that's exactly on the equator. The equator is the last. Ah, the last. Northern hemisphere side now. Yes. The Coriolis effect has to change. It goes into clockwise. What changes? It's called Coriolis effect, yeah. which is make the clockwise and anti-clockwise movement. And then they say your body weight on the latitude is less by 3%. You're lighter. You're lighter in the northern hemisphere. And zero latitude. Mm. So it's turning clockwise north. South anti-clockwise. Zero that matter. Pretty fascinating, right? And, and folks, listen, that applies to everything, whether it's a small little flower on top of a funnel, the way a toilet spins when it flushes, or even the direction of the world's biggest hurricanes. But folks, do not miss this. Because the moment that one crosses that equator line, listen carefully, what was true 
in one hemisphere is no longer true in the other hemisphere. And folks, let me just bring that over to our teaching for today. Because what an image of when you and I cross the line of faith with Christ. And, and, and by that I mean that just like, listen, the moment that one crosses the equator line, right, things change. What used to be true in one side is not true in the other. Just like that. And here's the big idea as we open up God's word today. Listen, when one crosses the fine line of faith in Christ, and you put your faith and trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, listen, what's, what was true in the world, right? When you, tr- when you cross that line and you leave the kingdom of this world behind and you enter into the kingdom of God, listen carefully, what was true according to the world is not true now according to God. It's almost called the upside-down kingdom. You know, certain things that change. You know, to find life in the kingdom of God, you must die to yourself. You know, if you want to get back at your enemies, you got to love your enemies. If you want to become rich in the kingdom of God, you must be generous towards the kingdom of God. And folks, the, the, the same principle applies to becoming great and finding success in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. Because the way that we become great, the way that we're truly successful, listen, it's not the way that we used to become great and successful according to the world standards, but be having more authority, more people, more money. But rather, when you cross that line of faith, the way that you become great and the way that you become successful is vastly different. And who knows, maybe the reason that you are stuck spiritually and that you have not grown spiritually in your life is because you have crossed that line of faith, but you're trying to find success and greatness, but rather in the ways of the world and not in the ways of God. And who knows, maybe you're here right now sitting, and you're thinking, Omar, well, well, I, I put my faith in Christ. I have a relationship with the Lord. And, and so how do you become great? How do you find success in God's kingdom in the eyes of our Heavenly Father? Because I don't want to go through my journey with the Lord stuck, not really knowing or doing things right. Well, folks, we're going to find out today from Matthew chapter 20, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go and turn to Matthew chapter 20. And today, let's have three important thoughts about what our Heavenly Father views as success and greatness in His kingdom. Are you already with Christ Fellowship? Yeah. Yeah? So write this down as point number one. Here's the first thing we need to remember. And that is that true greatness is not achieved by being served. Now let's go to the passage for today. Listen to what it says. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, before the Lord, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, notice, to sit, at, uh, to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Now, pause right there for a moment, and let me set up the scene for us. Because this woman the, is the mother of James and John, two of the closest disciples of Jesus, who were two disciples, two fishermen that got called uh, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And what's interesting about this passage is that this woman comes before the Lord, She kneels down before him in front of everyone, 
and she makes a request. And the request is that her two sons would be great and would be successful in the future kingdom of God. And folks, listen carefully. Isn't that the desire of every single one, of every single parent, of every single grandparent? You know, when we look at our children or grandbabies, right, we want to see them be great, right? We want them to find success. That's what we want for them. But folks, here's the thing. Even as a godly woman, her view of what true greatness was of success was vastly different than the Lord's. In fact, listen to what happens next. So Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. In other words, you do not know what it takes to be great in the kingdom. And then he asked, are you able to drink the cup that I am going to drink? And they said to, them, to him, we are able. And he said to them, listen, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. You know, interesting enough, when Jesus saw these two young men and this lady making this request, he would look into the eyes of this mom and these two sons, and he knew that these two sons would drink the same cup that Jesus would drink. It's interesting that James uh, eventually uh, became a leader of the early church, but early on he was beheaded for his faith. And John, the other brother, uh, was persecuted all of his life to the point that one day, uh, he, tradition holds that he was boiled in hot oil. He survived that miraculously, and with all his wounds and with all his scars, he was sent to be an outcast in an island called Patmos. And in that island, he would pen the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. You see, the Lord knew that these two young boys we're going to drink the same cup as the Lord. But you see, Jesus used this opportunity to teach the disciples and to teach us the world's deceptive way of thinking. And so listen to what the Lord said next. But Jesus called them to him, the disciples, and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercised what? Authority, Authority over them. Now, and, you know, when, when many of us think of greatness, of success in this world, right, we think of someone with a high position. We think of someone with a successful career, a big business. We think of someone who has a lot of influence, a lot of power, right? But, folks, listen to what the Lord says next. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones, listen, they exercise authority. They serve the great ones in this world. But, folks, listen carefully to what the Lord says next. Next, he says this, but it shall not be so among you. Amen. And so I love this because the Lord looks into the disciples' eyes and into each of our eyes, and it's almost like he tells us, listen, it shall not be so among you. Listen, the moment that you cross that line of faith and you put your faith in Christ and started a relationship with Christ, listen, what makes you great is not what used to make you great back when you were living according to the world. 
And folks, let's be honest. You know, there's many of us that have crossed that line of faith, but we're spending all of our energy, all of our effort, all of our time, not trying to become great according to God, but trying still to become great and successful according to the world. And so some of us have crossed that line, right? But we're spending all of our time and all our efforts to become great according to the world's standards. You know, for some of us, all we care in life, all of our energy goes to just climbing the corporate ladder, right? That as long as you work hard, you get promoted and you get a nicer office, a higher paying job, and more people under you, right? More people serving you. For others, it's business. Many of us have businesses, big or small, and all we care about is making the, big, the business bigger and bigger, more clients, more clients, because in your mind, the bigger your business is, the greater you're going to become, the more successful you are. You know, for others, we don't care about our career or about what we do. What we care is about making money. Because in your mind, the more money you're able to accumulate, listen carefully, the, the greater you're becoming according to this world. And you know, for some of us, it's not even for those of us who are a little younger, uh, maybe uh, students or maybe young adults, maybe we're not into that phase of a career or business, but here's what you do. For some of us, what we care about, what we value, what we see as great is how popular we are, right? For how popular we are, how well-known we are. Or now on social media, you know how it is. It's about how much influence you have, right? How, how many followers you have, how, how much people know you. And so you post pictures, right? We post pictures, and we're just eagerly seeing how many people like our picture. Or we post a video, and what we want to see is how many people are viewing our pictures. Why? Because somewhere in our minds, we think, well, the more popular I am, the more views, the more followers, listen, the greater I'm becoming, the more successful I'm becoming according to my peers, right? But folks, here's what Jesus is teaching us today. It's what some of us think is true success and greatness is not what our Heavenly Father looks down upon us and sees as true greatness and true success. In other words, we, we, we're spending so much energy, right, trying to become great according to the world, and we, and in many ways, we're achieving that, but when our Heavenly Father looks down upon us, He doesn't see greatness. He doesn't see success. You know, we're in this series called Unstuck, and could it be that the reason that you haven't grown in your relationship with Christ is that even though you are a child of God, all of your energy is going to becoming great according to the world's standards. So how can you be growing your walk with Christ if all of your focus and energy is going like you're still living in this world? And here's why this is dangerous. Because even though you've crossed that line, Listen, you can become great according to the world's standard, but fool yourself to believe that you're becoming great according to God's standard. And listen, don't misunderstand me. Listen, God made us to work, right? It's, it's a good thing to have, to have a career, to have a business, you know, to do, listen, all that is great, but let me tell you, listen, what it cannot do is define who you are. What it cannot do is, 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 is tell you how great or how successful you really are. And so the question that each of us need to ask ourselves 
is how much time, how much of our energy are we spending trying to become great according to the world, and how much time and energy are we spending in the things of God? And you know, sad to say, there are many parents just like the mother of James and John that even though they are believers in Christ, they're passing the wrong mentality over to their children. You know, the mother of James and John was a, was a woman who, who loved the Lord, who believed in the Lord, but what type of mentality was she passing to her children? She was passing a mentality that it's great when you have a lot of authority when people serve you. And so, listen, parents, be careful that as you live your life, you are not transferring the same mentality that all that matters in life is how far you get in your career, how much money you make, how popular you get. Because, listen, we might be transferring the wrong mentality over to our children. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And so, listen, Jesus in his grace, when he looks at this whole situation, his mother kneeling down, he takes the, the moment to reveal the measure of true greatness. In fact, write this down as big number two. Listen, greatness is achieved through humbling serving others. Amen? In fact, listen to what the, the following words of our Lord. He says this, he, It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your what? Your servant, right? And whoever would be, your, be first among you must be your slave. And folks, here is what Jesus is trying to help us understand. The true greatness in the eyes of our Father is when we, is, the true greatness in this kingdom are those who serve each other the most. And folks, here's what I love is that our Lord sets the example for us. In fact, listen to what he says next. He says, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant even as a son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. Listen, the Lord who served you did not come to this world to be served, but to what? But to serve. You know, one of the things I love about Jesus is this, is that he will never ask you to do anything that he first didn't do himself. When he tells you, hey, love that person that is hard to love, he reminds you, just like I first loved you. When he tells you, hey, forgive that person who's wronged you, listen, just like I first forgave you. And when he tells you, listen, be generous, give towards a gospel ministry, be generous with others, listen, just like I was generous with you. And when the Lord says, listen, serve each other just like I served you. And folks, the greatest way that the Lord served us was when he went up to Calvary and he gave his life on that cross. In fact, listen to what God's word says in Philippians chapter 2. He says, though he was in the form of God, let these words penetrate your heart. He did not count equality with God a thing to be, to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a what? Of a servant, your Lord is a servant. Being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, because he served, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Christ, listen, 
every single knee shall bow. Shall bow. Can you praise God for that? And, be, and folks, because the Lord served us, because his son humbled himself and served us, listen, the Father has highly exalted him above every other name. See, that is what it takes great to be in the kingdom, in the eyes of a father. And so you may be wondering, well, Pastor, what's the big deal about serving? I get it, I get it that that's the way you become great in the kingdom, but, but why does God stress us so much throughout his word that we serve each other? Well, write this down as big number three. It's because serving is a critical part of your relationship with Christ. Amen. First of all, listen, write this down as letter A. Serving draws you closer to Christ. You know, the truth of the matter is that when you serve the Lord, when you serve other people, listen, you are drawing closer to the Lord. There is a bond, listen carefully, there is a sense of closeness, an aspect of our relationship with Christ. There's an aspect that you cannot draw close to Christ unless you serve others just like Christ served you. Why? Because when you serve just like Christ served, you're identifying with him. And there's a bond that you begin to be created with the Lord that you cannot otherwise experience. For example, you know, many of you may not know this, but before I was lead pastor, I was at the campus pastor at a Miami Springs campus. Uh, and that campus, by the grace of God now, moved to Doral and they're growing. Shout out to the Doral campus out there. Yeah, we can clap for the route right now. And here's what's interesting. Back when we were in Miami Springs, we met in a really old, grungy middle school. And folks, listen carefully. It took a lot in order to transform that old middle school into a Christ Fellowship campus, to transform that worship auditorium, the cafeteria, and the library. Listen, it took a lot of effort. And folks, here's what we realized. In order to do that, we had to get there at 5.15 in the morning and begin to set up. And there was a group of guys who said to each other, listen, we commit ourselves to getting here early in the morning at 5.15, an 18-wheeler will come in, we will drag everything out, and we will begin to set up. And at 5.15, whether it was raining or not, we would be pushing carts, setting up, grunting, tireless, and we were just serving. But here's the thing. What I noticed is that even though we were friends with everyone in the campus, the setup team had a special bond. Why did they have a special bond? Why? Because we were serving with each other. We were identifying with each other to the point that these group of guys are still my closest friends to today. Yeah, because, because of that time that we served together, Listen, there was a bond. There was a sense of unity that we got. Why? Because we served alongside of each other. And folks, if that's true of a, of a setup team, how much more can it be true when you serve others just like Christ served you? Amen. Listen, when you serve, right, when you serve along Christ just like he served you and you follow his example, listen, you can draw closer to the Lord in many ways, but there's an aspect of your relationship with the Lord that you cannot draw close unless you serve just like he first served you. Amen. So I don't care. Listen, it doesn't matter how many seminary classes you go to, how many theology books, or how mature you think you are in the faith. Listen, 
If you don't follow the example of Christ and serve like he served you, there's an aspect of your walk with Christ that there's a barrier there because how can you draw close to the Lord in that way if you don't follow the example that he set for you? Amen? And folks, because what happens is there's a limit, right, to your spiritual growth if you don't follow the example of Christ. And folks, because we know that when you serve, here's what happens, when you serve, you will begin to experience an aspect of spiritual growth that you couldn't find otherwise, which is a reason that here at Christ Fellowship, listen, serving in a ministry is actually part of our discipleship process. Listen, this church is not perfect, and neither is our discipleship process. But we believe as a leadership that if you place yourself in certain environments, you are going to start growing in the Lord, right? The first step of our discipleship process is connect to God in the context of a weekend service, right? You come here, you worship God, and God does some special things. The second step is connect yourself into a small group, right, where you begin to fellowship and grow in your, in your relationship with other believers, and you deepen your understanding with God. But the third step is to connect to a ministry, right, to start serving in a ministry team because we know that when you serve just like Jesus served, there's an aspect of your walk with him that will start flourishing like never before. And folks, not only is it good for you to serve for the good of your soul, listen, for, the, for, for your relationship with Christ, but also write this down as letter B. Listen, serving builds up the church as well. You know, it's interesting that God, the way that God designed it to build up the church was not through his own physical actions. In other words, the Lord could have stayed here for 2,000 years and preach every sermon, do every service, do every outreach, but he didn't do that, right? That's not the way he designed it. He could have also then sent angels to build his church and us just sit here and, every, and angels do everything. He could have done that, but he didn't choose that. But what the way that he designed it is that the same people who he served, that those people would eventually then start building the church as they served one another. In fact, every single person that's a believer in Christ listen, has a special talent, a special ability that when it is used, it starts building up the church. In fact, listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this, it says, there are now a variety of gifts or abilities, but the same spirit, right? We have the same spirit, but there's different abilities. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good or for the building up of the church. And you know what happens, listen, when we start using the gifts and the abilities that God has given to us, we're actually being good stewards of God's grace. In fact, this is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4. It says this. It says, some of you should use whatever gift you have received. Each of us, every single one of us should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's Grace. Amen? Amen? And family, listen, there's a misconception when it comes to church that the people who do ministry are the pastors and the leaders. 
oh, they see me or other leaders, and they're the ones who are doing ministries. But listen, that does, that's not the way that God designed it. In fact, one of my primary responsibilities is to equip you, the people of God, to do the work of God. This is why it says in Ephesians 4 that the, the responsibility of pastors and leaders is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so listen, when the Lord was being nailed to the cross, what he envisioned is that just like I am serving them, they are going to serve one another. And you know, folks, oftentimes, when I look at other churches, oftentimes the reason so many churches do not accomplish their God-given potential is because the people of God do not use their talents or abilities to build up the church. And folks, oftentimes there's just different reasons. One of those reasons that are common is, well, Omar, you know, I don't need to serve at church because I serve outside of the church. In other words, when I'm at work, man, I, I help people out, or when I'm at school, I do whatever I can, or I see someone in the street, I, I serve them in whatever I can. And listen, that's great. But that's not the serving that God envisioned. What you're doing at work, at school, and listen, that is just showing people the love of Christ in a tangible way. And God bless you. Keep doing that. That's part of what we're called to do. But that is not what God envisioned as serving. Why? Because when we serve, we need to be building up the church. Amen? And another reason is like, well, Omar, I just do not have the time. And let's be honest. Listen, we make time for what matters to us. If what you care about most is your business or your career or making money, then you're going to devote all of your time for that. If what you care about the most is a specific hobby, then you're going to spend a lot of time doing that. If all you care is about sports, then you're going to spend all of your energy focusing on that. You know, one of the things that, that I love to see is that here at Christ Fellowship, you may not know this, but the CEO of a Fortune 500 company actually attends our church. And every single weekend... What blesses my heart is to see him serve in guest services. As he welcomes people, ushers in just like anybody else, but he understands what is true greatness in the eyes of God. And so listen, if the CEO of a Fortune 500 company can make the time to serve God, none of us have an excuse. Amen? And the third reason that people give, well, they give this reason. Well, my family is my first ministry. And let me just be candid here for just a moment. Listen, it is a God-honoring thing to want to be the best parent that you can be, to want to be the best spouse, the best grandparent that you can possibly be. Listen, that is a God-honoring thing, and it is a big responsibility of ours. But folks, nowhere in Scripture does it say that family is our first ministry. Listen, you can look through all the pages of Scripture and nowhere will you find that. Someone may grab a random passage and try to connect it, but the reality is that our family life is important and we have to be responsible and be the best parents, the best grandparents, the best spouses we could be, yes, and at the same time, make time to serve the Lord and build up His church the way He envisioned us. Amen? You know, and the mistake that some people make is like, well, I just need to put all of my focus on my children. And everything is about us. We cannot serve because every single free time, it has to be about the children. It has to be about us. It has to be about us. 
And as a result, even though you have good intentions, actually the opposite takes place. Because you're teaching your children that it's all about you and it's not about the kingdom of God. And in reality, the opposite is true. In fact, write this down as big number as, as letter C. Serving is actually healthy for your family. You know, parents, when your children see you serve, grandparents, when your grandbabies see you serve, what they're seeing is, is that they realize that mom and dad or my grandparents, that they understand that true greatness and true success is not spending all of our energy here and the things of this world, but giving it toward the things that matter most, the eternal things, which are the things of God. Amen. And what an example you are setting when you teach your children the importance of serving the Lord. In fact, the Betancourt family is a perfect example. Take a look. It was around 2007 when we started going to CF, and we loved it. I remember one day someone called sick that couldn't show up, and then they asked me if I could just jump on a camera. So I did the best I could. And after that, they came to me and I thought I did something wrong, but they said, can you come back next week? And that was uh, 14 years ago. Seeing my parents serve uh, is probably the biggest influence of why I even started, because I saw my dad ever since I was very, very young serving in the church and my mom as well. All of us serving together, that's, um, that's family. Like, that's our family time, is serving all, all of us. And, um, this is the, it's the model. My parents are the model for my sister and I. I. I feel that serving is just a part of my life completely and totally and that it's always going to be that way because my family, we're all serving and we're all doing the same thing for God. We're, we're all um, completely and totally invested in, in working towards the kingdom of God and, and leading other people to Christ. As, um, as a family, um, I feel so blessed that we together can serve the Lord. When I see my daughter beside me serving in the control room, it's a, it's a feeling that I cannot describe. I feel satisfaction. I feel that uh, everything that we've done and we have prayed for has paid and paid well. We serve from a place of gratitude because everybody in my family is saved. We, we, salvation's everything in our life. So I, I believe that when you are saved, um, the correct expression is to want to add on to the kingdom. That comes from a place of gratitude that you're um, acknowledging that God chose you to be part of this family um, and it wasn't of your own doing and, and because of that, you add on to the kingdom. Like that's what it's for, it's gratitude. Wow. And folks, just like that family, there are so many families in our church setting the example of our children. Listen, our mission here at Christ Fellowship, you need to know this, the reason we exist is to help you and your family follow Jesus. It's so simple. And folks, one of the ways that we help you follow Jesus together as a family is when you serve together, when you follow the example of our Lord. You know, it's interesting, have you ever wondered, have you ever realized that our weekend services are called services? It's because every time we get together, it is a moment for us to serve one another. 
Where else can we serve each other and build up the church when we gather together as God's people? And so here's the idea. The idea is that you come and attend and receive in one service, right? You receive. And while you're here receiving, there are people who are serving you now. The worship team, the production team, guest services team, your kids' ministry. So many people are serving you right now as you're receiving God's word. And the idea is that in the other service, that now it's your time to serve them as well. So that you can come, they can come and receive, right? And that way, listen, we not only all worship God together, but we're able to serve one another. So you serve one, the idea is you serve one, one hour, and you attend another hour. And folks, listen, there are so many places here at CF that you can serve. Listen, we make it as easy as possible. Maybe for you, a place that you would love to serve is CF Kids. You know, maybe in your heart, you, you, you would love to be able to spend time with little ones whose hearts are like wet cement and imprint in their heart that there's a God who loves them, there's a God who created them, and there's a God who has a plan for their life. Maybe that's where your heart goes towards. Maybe for some of us, it's to serve in CF students, whether middle school or high schoolers, or maybe even our young adult ministry. And listen, when you serve in those ministries, here's what happens. You're helping them understand at a critical moment in life that their identity is not found in the things of this world, but in the things of Christ. Amen? Amen. For some of us, maybe it's guest services or maybe parking ministry. And, you know, in, when you serve in, the, in those ministries, what you're really showing people who've been rejected by the world, people who come in discouraged, what you're showing them is a tangible way of how loving, accepting the, our Lord Jesus Christ. Every time you welcome someone, you bring them in, it's a way of showing the accepting heart that the Lord has for people. Maybe your heart is security. Maybe you have a, a sense of, man, I would love to help keep us safe and our children safe. Maybe security is a good ministry for you. Or maybe, you know, you've been giving a, 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 like a, 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 a musical talent. Maybe you can sing. Maybe you can play instruments. Or maybe you're kind of lean more teching, productionist. But listen, what a great honor it is to serve people and help them worship God every single weekend as you use your talents. And maybe for some of us, listen, we've been a believer for a long time. I don't know there's many of us here like that. And maybe where you would, would really do well is just leading a small group. You know, last week, by the way, we had 590 people sign up for a small group. Amazing, right? Listen, listen, there's people. We need small group leaders. And so maybe you say, you know what? I would love to be a host. I would love to help people grow in your relationship with God. Listen, maybe being a small group leader is a perfect thing for you. But here's what I want to challenge us. Listen, if you feel stuck in your spiritual walk, if you feel you have not grown in the way that you should be growing, Perhaps it's because you're not serving the way that the Lord served you. And how can you expect to really take leaps in your walk with Christ if you don't follow the example of your Lord who already loved you, served you, and gave his life for you? And so here's what we're going to do. Everyone, go ahead at all campus. Go ahead and take out your phones just like we did last week. Go ahead and take out your phone for a moment. Yeah, go ahead and take out your phone and show me your screen Campus pastors, you can see at the other campus, go ahead and lift your phones up. I have eyes. Come on. Show up. Pull up your phone. Show me your screen. There we go. There we go. Now open up the camera app for a moment. Just open up the camera app and scan this code right behind me. Here's what it will do. Scan that code. You'll see a little link that comes right next to your camera. 
and go to that page, and you'll see when you, when you scan on that, if we can go back for a moment to the screen, guys, if we can go back to the, to the other, to the, to the QR code, yeah, in case you missed it. And so when you click on that, it's going to take you to a, a, a form, and here's what you're saying. Listen, when you fill out that form, you can just say more or less what you think you're interested. You're not sign, signing a mortgage here, right? You're not signing up for life. There's not a huge commitment. All you're saying is, you know what, I know that I need to be serving God in one way, shape, or form, whether it's every week or every other week, once a month, whatever the case may be. But I know that i got to take this step and start serving the Lord like he served me. And when you fill out that form, you specify what ministry you're interested in. The ministry director will follow up with you this week. And listen, all they're going to do is offer information. Here's what you can do. You can come for a test drive. You can check it out and see if you like it. If not, we'll help you find out another ministry. It doesn't matter. But my challenge to you is this. Listen, families. Let's be a church that serves one another. That's what God intended it to be. And this may seem like a small moment, but listen, if you take this step and you start serving, it will really change your life forever. And so I'm going to give us a few moments at all campuses. Go ahead and fill that out, and then I'll come back to wrap us up. All right? So take this time. Talk with your spouse. Talk with your family. Go ahead and fill it out. Take some time. Listen, as you continue to fill that out, um, on your way out at each of our campuses, uh, when you leave, if you have more questions about a specific ministry, there are booths all across all of our campuses on your way out that you can just stop and ask for more information. But I want to challenge you. Listen, let's not only be hearers of the word, let's be doers of the word. Let's serve each other like Christ served us. And so listen, one last thing. Next, this upcoming Friday is Ministry Rally. And so, listen, whether you serve in a ministry or you're signing up for a ministry or you just want more information, you're interested, man, I would love to be part of it. Listen, come to Ministry Rally. It is the most, going to be the most exciting, beautiful night of the entire year. You don't want to miss it. And uh, it's going to be amazing to be encouraged and be refreshed and empowered as we continue serving the Lord, all right? Well, I'm going to call all campus pastors to the front. Christ Fellowship, I love you all. God bless you.